speaking at Go Church today, we have the one and only Tony Collier. Tony is the founder of Broken Crayon Still Color. She's a speaker, author, and podcast host. She's also a wonderful wife and a fantastic mom. Tony is one of the most influential female voices for the kingdom, and she's become a sweet friend to us, and it's such a tremendous honor to have her here today. Okay, Go Church family, would you stand to your feet and let's give honor where it's due. Help us welcome Tony Collier. You know, I never know what to do in this moment. It's like, do I clap for myself, you know? Thank y'all so much. You can have your seats. Thank y'all so much for being here. I'll tell you this, this service is popping, okay? I came up in here, I was like, oh, this is different than that first. Now, that first service was good, okay? It was. But um, it's just good. Worship is my favorite part. If you're sitting next to me or in this vicinity, you know that I was belting them songs out a little, long, little, little louder than the worship team, okay? Because I do love to worship so much. Now, also, I just want you guys to know that I am on brand, okay? Go Church Green, I got it on today, okay? And I tried to find a green shirt, it just didn't work out for me, but I said I'm gonna be green from head to toe, okay? I'm coming up in here, I'm excited because I love this church so much. I love your pastors. Can we give it up for the leaders of this house, Pastor JC and Pastor Kimberly? If you're watching, I hope you're not. I hope you're doing 19-year marriage things, okay? That's what I actually pray for y'all, but we love y'all very much. And I just want y'all to know we get the opportunity to actually connect outside of church, which is what really matters because when your leaders go outside the church and are the same exact human beings that they are in the church, oh my goodness, that's some good news right there. We get to serve City of Refuge. If you're watching, my House of Cheerith girls, hey boo, love them very much. See y'all soon. Um, I just, I love them. And I I love this church and I love that this church is on the move. It's an active church. And when I was praying this week and asking Pastor Kimberly, I'm like, what do y'all want me to talk about? Like, what do you, what, what's going on in the church? She was like, we trust you. I was like, okay, girl, you know, I'm a little wild, but okay. Um, what the Lord has been putting on my heart in this season is, is about around identity and not like your identity on the social Instagrams, okay? Like not who you are, how many followers you have and your comments, not how much you lift in the gym, not how much you can par. I don't really know what the golf terminology is but it's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever that is, okay? <laughs> um, but I'm talking about our identity in Christ. See, because I, I just believe that the church is suffering from an identity crisis right now. What's happening is we're coming into church on Sundays and we're belting out worship, as I do, but Monday through Saturday is looking a little weak. We've come into church and we have become fans of God and not followers of God. And I don't say this from a place of condemnation because, baby, I've already done it, okay? I say it from a place of authority because I've done it wrong. I've actually been a fan of God. I've come into church, I've belted out the worship songs, and I've gone home to numb the pain of an abusive marriage and an abusive past and all sorts of trauma in my past that we'll talk about a little bit later. And it's, it's interesting how much we will miss of God when we don't meet with God. Oh my gosh, he has so much more for us that we'll see in just a second. So much more than just the Sunday morning. He's got eternity for us. He's got fresh revelation for us. He's still got miracles, signs, and wonders for us. And so that's what I want to talk about. I'm hoping that you in the room and you watching online would leave this place with an assured 
sense of identity in Christ, that you would know who you are and whose you are, not just for yourself and your family and your marriages and your friends and your community, but for the generations to come and for the kingdom of God. Because the world is looking a little ratchet at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like things are just getting a little shaky. And I think it's just because we've forgotten. We've created spaces and said, oh, well, just come as you are. Well, you can only come as you are for just a little while. Okay? Because when you say yes to Jesus, that's not just it. We then get to say yes to Jesus and then look like him and talk like him and treat people like he would. And so that's what I want to focus on because, you know, why not? Okay? Go big or go home. What are we going to do? You know? So a couple disclaimers for you. I'm a little wild. Okay? I just am. I have definitely been diagnosed with ADHD, some form of it. And um, I don't know. God will use the least of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just... He's doing his thing. He chose me out here. And so I may go on a little rabbit trail. I may say something a little crazy. Now, I'm not inappropriate most of the time, okay? But I just think it's so cool. This morning at the first service, I just was sitting there like, I still can't believe it. With a past like mine, with the struggles that I have, with the counseling offices that I have sat in, Sometimes I'm just like, why? Why would you choose me? And then I remember that if he chooses to use the least, then this morning, you'd look past me and you'd be like, oh, it's got to be God. So that's what I'm excited about this morning. Let me pray for us. God, we just are grateful. We're grateful that we get to do this. We're grateful that we have the freedom to come and worship the God that we choose. Because in places all around the world, our brothers and sisters are fighting just to say the name of Jesus out loud. Oh my gosh, what a privilege. We're so honored. So God, don't let us miss it. Don't let us miss it. Don't let us take it for granted that we get to come and worship you publicly. But God, we pray this morning that our public worship looks just like our private worship. We pray this morning that we would begin to change and morph and look like you and smell like you, that the essence of us would be that of the Holy Spirit. Just come, God, because we did not drag these kids out of the house to hear Tony. We came to hear a word from you. So, God, I surrender my thoughts and my words and my posture to you so that more of you can show up in this place. So we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amens. Okay, so I got saved at 21, all right? I wasn't one of these little whippersnappers that was saved like at six at the little kids' camp, okay? And we got like students right now, even at fall retreat, like getting saved, her whole lives are being transformed. It's so amazing. That wasn't me, okay? I was twerking in the teen club, okay? That's, that's what I was doing, not the fall retreat. But at 21, I moved to Georgia, and I said, I'm about to get saved out here. I went to this church, loved it so much, gave my life to Christ, and I was like, well, that's it, okay? Thank y'all so much. Still living the same exact life. Because I was a fan of what God was doing. I mean, I love the worship songs. I kind of wanted to sound good a little bit, so my role would be like, girl, you need to be on the worship team. But my Monday through Saturday looked real dark, especially because throughout my life, I'd had so much trauma happen. 
Well, at about 24, uh, when I realized that I needed to get out of a very abusive marriage, um, I, I remember the day. I, I was sitting in the car, and uh, my daughter's dad at the time uh, was just yelling and screaming. And I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw fear in my daughter's eyes for the first time. And I knew that it, the prayer just wasn't working in the way that I wanted it to. I'd offered counseling. I'd done everything I could, and I said, it's time to go. And it was crushing because what happens when you begin to name pain is that you begin to feel it. See, when you're in traumatic situations or when you're going through the motions, you kind of numb to it. It is when you begin to be brave enough to name the brokenness that you start to really feel it. And I remember at 24, I started to feel it. I was a single mom. I was living with another single mom we were staying in this little tiny bedroom and I couldn't fit a crib in there so I had to do a little packing plan. My daughter was way too big for it and didn't have any money. We were on WIC and food stamps. I was drinking coffee for breakfast and lunch and I was cooking spaghetti and pasta, not because it tastes good, but because it lasts for a little while. It was a really hard season. I remember going into counseling and I began to name the things that I had been through. You know, at seven, I was sexually manipulated and abused by older cousins. And at eight, my mom had gotten really sick and had a massive stroke, and I became a caregiver. My dad was really verbally abusive, and he was an alcoholic, and he would work all the time. And so it was just me and my mom. And what happens when you become a caregiver that soon? Your childhood is taken away. The awe and the wonder you grow up too fast is what they used to call it. And so at 12 and 13, I decided to start numbing with alcohol that I would sneak, partying and drugs. And at 13, a much older guy was sexually manipulative. I thought we were in a relationship. And uh, he came over to my house when my parents were away and took my virginity at 13. And it was just dark. And so at 14 and 15 and 16, I started doing drugs and I got addicted to alcohol and I left my parents' house at 16. And I kind of lived this double life where on one end I was like captain of the cheerleading team, as you can tell, and on the other end I was just fighting darkness, just trying to numb all the pain. And so at 19 I ended up getting with this guy that I'd known for three months because how many of you know that those generational cycles, those patterns that you suffer, they follow you if you don't heal them. So yet another guy that ended up being really abusive. And so at 24, I was like, listen, God, you're gonna have to show up. You're gonna have to do your thing. You need to let like a dove come into my room or something crazy like that. I need like the mother of Jesus Mary type of anointing up in here, okay? I started to really challenge God, press into God. And I remember I was working these odd jobs. I was at the Atlanta Brave Stadium doing tours. And this woman named Esther, I'll never forget her now. I'm doing a tour for her. She's got like this cooking class thing going on. And when I'm walking her back to her car in the garage, she turns to me and she said, can I just, can I say something to you? I said, yeah, girl, what's going on? She said, I just feel the spirit of the Lord say that he's got redemption for you. And he's gonna, He's gonna do something through you. He's gonna do something through your daughter. And I'm like, sister, you're a stalker? Like, how you know I gotta do? What's what you're talking about? Because I didn't really know anything about like the prophetic and all those like things at that point. I was a fan, okay? And she says, I, I, I wanna invite you to my church. And I said, okay, girl. She's like, we're having a healing prophetic service. Like, if you're just looking for God to do it work, like, you can come. 
And so I said, cool, I'm going to come, girl, I'm, I'm in. But I sat like in the nosebleed seats. I, you know when they have like the seats lined up in the back on the wall? I was there with like the other volunteers. So I was like, hey, I'm doing Because I was like, I don't want to talk to nobody. This is kind of weird already. And so the service started and it was like worship and there were some people that had like the little flags and stuff. And I was like, okay, whoa. <laughs> like it was great. You know, it was just normal little service. And then all of a sudden the woman up front goes, hey guys, we're going to move into a time of prophecy and I want you to pair up. Now, I was like, don't nobody come over here, okay? Like, I'm already in the nosebleed seats. Y'all can tell I do not want to do this, okay? And lo and behold, this man comes up to me, this older guy, and he, he said, hi, sister. And I was like, what's up? And the lady was like, I just want you to begin to, like, just ask the Lord to give you a word for this person. And he goes, ladies first. I said, okay, such a gentleman. And I am making stuff up. I, I, I was... I said, well, God loves you a lot. <laughs> and he's so proud too, so, yep. And he's like, thank you, sister. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And his name is Deacon Robert, okay, because he actually works at the church. I was like, great, yeah, of course he would come find the lowly girl. And he starts prophesying to me, and he said, I just feel the Spirit of the Lord say that you should start reading the Psalms, and it's a specific Psalm. You should start reading the Psalm of your birth year. And I was like, 1991? He was like, it's Psalm 91. Go and read Psalm 91. I said, all right, playa. So I go home. I'm sitting on my, I'm, you have to understand, this is like 24-year-old Tony. I'm like barely saved a little bit. I didn't went to church and my thing, but I was still like getting high, getting drunk. I mean, you know. And so I was like, thank you, my guy. And so I go home. I'm sitting on my fake black leather couch from Ikea. Never forget it. I get my little Bible out and I <laughs> blow all the dust off of it because I surely had not used it in a while. And I turn to Psalm 91 and I read it and it means nothing to me. Ain't now revelation. I thought this thing was about to say my name up in there. You know, like, I was just like, what is this? I, I said, Deacon Robert ain't anointed. Okay? Just kidding. Fast forward a couple weeks, I had gotten a mentor. Because at that point, I really was serious about, like, I'm like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to be the best mom I can be for my daughter. Like, I'm going to be the best friend that I can be. I'm, I'm going to do this. And I'm, like, in. So I got a mentor Emily, and she was like, hey, there's this spiritual encounter coming up, and you should totally go. I know you've been trying to hear the voice of the Lord. You want to press into your relationship with him. Like, this is it. And she gets me sponsored to go, and I was just so grateful. I went. I packed my little bags. It was so beautiful. It was actually at Windshape Camps, which is at Berry College. It's a beautiful facility. And I go in there, y'all, and these other women are there. I mean, it's just so great. And so we go inside of the chapel, and they start telling us what to expect this week. And they give us a prompt. They were like, a few times throughout this week, you're going to have to take some time with God, just you and him, total silence for two hours. And I was like, oh, gosh, two hours. Now, I'm an extrovert if you haven't been able to tell, okay? So I thought they was kind of playing around a little bit, like they weren't like super serious, you know? And so they give us these little prompts to go and talk with God about, and we're walking out of the room, and I was like, what y'all about to do? They was like, shh. I said, oh, we're serious. <laughs> I was like, shocked. So I go into this, um, the most beautiful area. I love nature so very much. And I brought a picture for you guys. This is kind of like my spot. It was like this little lake and there was like a hill, hill that came up from the lake and I sat on the edge of the hill and it was just like my thing. And the prompt that they had given us was, what is your lie? What's the thing that God is trying to break in you 
because the enemy has lied to you about? What's he feeding you about yourself that's keeping you from walking in your full identity in God? And so there I am for two hours like praying and closing my eyes and they're just like, they give us all kinds of like little tips and stuff. They're like, for those of you that have a wandering mind, like be kind to yourself if you're like sitting there and you're like trying to hear God and then you're like thinking about Kim Kardashian or somebody. You know, like it's just like, just be kind to yourself. You're like, I wonder what, Deion Sanders is doing with the Colorado people. Okay, all right. You know, like, just be kind to yourself. <laughs> Bring them back, the Colorado people. I know nothing about sports, okay? I just want to say that. Um, go dogs. <laughs> Don't know nothing about that either, but I knew y'all like it. Okay. And, <laughs> and so I begin to realize what my lie is. I'm like, ooh, wow. I'm like, Holy Spirit, impress it on my heart. We come back into the chapel, and they've got these dry erase boards lined up. They're like, we want you to write it out in front of everybody. I'm like, whoa, that got intense really fast. And so I go up with my little dry erase marker, and this is what I write on the board. My lie is I'm not safe or protected. Because in my mind, how could there be a God that wanted me to be safe and protected or whatever, and my life looked like this? I went through all that. I had a mom that couldn't show up because she was so medically ill. I didn't have nurturing. I had a dad that was in the house, present, but not really present, and no one was protecting me from darkness. So no, I'm not safe. And no, I'm not protected. And if I am gonna be safe or protective, I'm gonna have to do it. Because I've always protected myself. And it's the lie that the enemy had just been festering in my little mind. And so, well, duh, I wasn't going to God Monday through Saturday. Because what do I need him for? I've been protecting myself this whole time. And so we have another two-hour stint at the spiritual encounter, and they say, you're going to go back for another two hours. I was like, this is crazy, y'all. <laughs> Good Lord. But I go out, I'm like, I, I mean, I, I felt like I really got this impression from the Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay, God is showing up. I'm going to do my thing. I go back out to my little area, and I still have this journal to this day. I was looking through it just to make sure I got everything accurate this week, and I'm just like, this is so crazy years and years ago, almost a decade ago. And I, I write in my journal the prompt that they have next. And the whole prompt is to close your eyes and ask the Lord to give you a vision that's connected to this lie. A, a vision of you, like just ask him to show you something. Maybe it's a name, maybe it's gonna be a song, maybe it's something. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. So I close my eyes, I'm sitting there in the silence for 10, 20, 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, I imagine like this big field and I'm like in the middle of it. And I'm just like, spinning around. I've got like, my, my, my eyes are closed. My, my mouth's like wide open. I'm just like free. And I honestly hadn't seen that girl in a long time because that's actually who I am, as you can tell. I'm like a Teletubby. And my friends literally used to call me a Teletubby in middle school and high school. Like, and then darkness entered in and it, it took away my joy. And so to see myself in this field, like, so free, I still have it written down in that little journal. It's like, I'm free, and I'm just like, man, I've got this long dress on, and I'm just like, my head's thrown back. I'm so free. And then I remember, like, seeing this, like, vision of, like, a lion, like, coming for me. And so I drew, like, a lion in that little journal, and it, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, this is really creepy. But it never touched me. Like, I just saw the danger, but it never got to me. And so then I go home and I've got all these great things that I've learned from the spiritual encounter. I really do feel like I have like an encounter with the Lord. So I'm sitting on my black leather Ikea 
fake black leather Ikea couch. Let me just be honest here on the stage so I don't get striked down out here. From the holiness, Pastor David, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm sitting on my fake black leather couch from Ikea and they give us these like prompts that last like six months. And it's one of the prompts is, one of the challenges is like, don't read any like pre-written devotionals. Instead, start to rely on your spiritual connection with God to lead you to where he wants you to go in his word. And so I say, all right, God, what scripture would you have for me today? And I just feel an impression on my heart, just say like Psalm 91. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> we already did that one. <laughs> Y'all can't make me laugh. I said, Deacon Robert, he already, he has said it at the thing and it, just, it didn't mean nothing to me. And I said, let's try it again. What scripture would you have me read like a different one? And he says, Psalm 91. I said, I mean, all right. So I open up my Bible and I start reading Psalm 91. It says, you who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow, say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I am safe. It keeps going and it says, that's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. And I'm snot crying, y'all. Snot crying. But catch this, he just, he just keeps going. He says he's ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. And it ends with this, if you'll just hold on to me for dear life, says the Lord. I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care. If you'll only get to know and trust me, call me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I know. It still gets me. Because when you press into God, he'll press into you. And the reason that scripture didn't mean anything to me before is because I wasn't looking for his face. When I started to press in, he said, well, I've been here all along. It's so funny because um, I just remembered this. Last week, I went to a city of refuge. I get to go hang out with the gals there at House of Cherith. And um, at the end, I'm hugging one of the girls there. Her and I are just crying. We're just weeping because we talk about a lot of deep stuff in our sessions. And we're just like weeping, we're weeping. And we're in this brand new facility because they just kind of have redone the class that I teach in. And we're hugging, we're hugging. And I open my eyes and in the back of the room, there's a painting and it's got a scripture on it. And it's Psalm 91, mm -hmm. last Monday. God is coming for us. Like I don't, I, somebody just needs to hear that today. 
I'm going to get on with the thing. It's going to be great. We're going to go through all the slides. I just... He's just, like, fiercely coming for his sons and daughters. He didn't just... Imagine that Jesus did not just come and be beaten and mocked and die on a cross. He didn't just raise from the actual dead and be ascended at the right hand of the Father. He, I could imagine he peered over to him and said, can we do more? Can we send them a helper to after all of that? Because Jesus didn't die just for forgiveness. He died so that we could experience withness. The Christian walk isn't just this side-by-side -side thing. It's, it's, it's withness. It's dwelling. It's gazing. It's, it's intimate and it's personal and there's no coincidence. And the reason why maybe someone in this room is, is, is having this moment of, well, good Lord, how did Tony experience that? And God came for her so intentionally. It's because you're not looking for his face. We've, we've, we've gotten a little dormant in our faith to think that we can just come in on a Sunday and get what we need and ignore God Monday through Saturday when he's quite literally saying, I want to show you my face. I, I want to show you the intricacies and the little bitty things that I've just placed and positioned in random places because do, don't forget, I am the grand leader of this orchestra and I'm moving little chips to come and find you. But are your spiritual eyes so blurred by the pain you went through, by the job you lost, by the word that was spoken over you, by your mundane life, by the, the day to day of just I go to work, I clock in, I lead this business, I do this thing, I da da da, that you've missed the wonder? I know I did for a while. Here's what that scripture taught me, that our earthly beliefs are no match for our heavenly identity. There's some beliefs that the enemy has tried to plant on the inside of you through media, through money, through investment, through, through marriage, through hard times, through trauma that is trying to thwart your heavenly identity. And now, I, I'm like a practical patty, okay? Like, I, I'm, I love a good story, and I am deeply rooted into the scripture. I fell in love with scripture when I went to seminary. Didn't even have to, because I had already started preaching, but I just felt the Lord say, go deep, sis, not wide. You can have all your little gifts and talents, but it's go deep. And I'm also a, a woman that believes that God is our ultimate source, but we also need resources, we also need to be able to understand how God intricately designed us so that we can maneuver through darkness here on earth. Now, we're going to get touched and we're going to get scratched and bruised and kind of hit up a little bit. But if we can fully understand how the Lord's uniquely designed us from the Garden of Eden days, 
from the days when we were just designed for goodness and dwelling with him. And then Eve got a little weird. She got just, I think about her all the time. I'm like, sis, we made such a bad call on that one. So bad. But Dr. Kurt Thompson's a great friend, um, Christian psychiatrist, brilliant, has studied how God designed us. And he came up with these, these four truths. He said, everyone came into the earth needing all of these, and it never stops. We need to be seen, soothed, safe, and secure, all of us, over and over and over again. It never leaves. The first one is you want to be seen, like God's uniquely created each and every one of you. And if you are continuing to dwell in spaces that, with people that don't see you, like that don't really know you, then you're gonna become a carbon copy of yourself. It's just, you're just gonna be fake, you're just gonna be going through the motions. It's why when our kids are growing up, we can literally see. Like we can easily identify, oh, they're introverted, they're extroverted, they're gonna be a creative, they're gonna be this. It's because there's not a lot of darkness that has thwarted them. My sweet little girls in children's church right now, I'm just praying for the people because I'm like, she is a strong-willed blessing, okay? This is what helps us sleep at night, to put blessing at the end. <laughs> but please do not flash my number on this screen while I'm preaching up here, okay? I am not gonna come and get her, okay? <laughs> But the one thing that I'm trying to do in the midst of so much trauma that my daughter and I have walked through is to, to get her to understand that I can see her. That it doesn't matter how many bad choices she's, she makes and the behavioral challenges she has and, and the, the, she's predisposed to so much trauma and abuse. Like, I see you, Dylan. I see that you are an artist. I see that the Lord has uniquely designed you in this way. Do not let the world tell you that you gotta be this and you gotta do that. I know you are a creative, you are an artist, and we're gonna cultivate that in you. But for some of you in the room, someone said, well, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you have to do this, you have to do that. And because it's so against your identity, it's become your identity. It squished you into just being someone else. But if you have people close to you, they can begin to see you. Your spouse really is one of the best tools you have for this because you're real relaxed around them. When the world sees the tough guy at the gym, your wife sees the one that just needs to be held. When, when the world sees the best dad in the world, your wife sees he didn't have the best dad in the world and he's doing his best. You need people that'll see you. The second one is soothed, which is a real weird word for a lot of men in the room and watching online, but come on. We all need to be soothed. It just shows up differently between man and woman. See, as, as women, we, we connect with each other eye to eye, men shoulder to shoulder. Come on, let's just, let's go into the gospels really quickly and be reminded that Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to come be with him in the Garden of Gethsemane because he was suffering. Jesus, all powerful, divine in nature, said, hey, fellas, I'm having a rough moment. So vulnerably invited them into one of his deepest moments of pain. He modeled it. In our rank-a-dank world talking about, oh no, you can't say that, dude. It's gonna be weird. 
And we've seen it in the football fields with these little boys. I used to be a youth pastor. They'd be like on the field or whatever. I don't know what you guys do on the field, whatever. And they're like throwing the ball or whatever. And a guy comes and just like, doof, knocks the wind out of him. He falls on the ground. Everybody's like, oh. They go over to him. They rush over to this little boy. And they're like, dude, 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 you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good, man. It's like, well, that's interesting because we did just hear your ribs crack here just a second ago. You may need some water. Think you may need some water. May also think you need to lay, lay back down there, buddy. We started to train ourselves out of our design. And it's no wonder little baby, seven, eight, nine-year-old, having depressive thoughts of not being here on this earth. The numbers are insane, especially in boys, because they have been taught that they're not supposed to express their feelings. They hide them and then they leak and they go to other things that they get exposed to. We're all designed to be soothed. The third thing is we're all designed to be safe. I mean, this is like a given, okay, obviously. But for a person like me who's been under a lot of abuse and trauma and work with women who are, have been exposed to trauma and abuse, like this is like slim in the world right now. Safety, knowing that someone won't harm you knowing that someone won't leave you when you need them the most. We need safety. It's like the most innate thing that, that kids need. I, th I have a one-year-old little boy now, and my daughter's nine, so it's like an eight-year gap. I didn't forgot some things. Let me tell you, it ain't like uh, riding a bike. I mean, just, I forgot they couldn't hold their neck up for a little second there. He just, I said, oh, uh uh Oh my gosh, I have forgot. God, I mean, oh, I have such a rabbit trail. There's an ADHD spirit in me. Listen, but then I even think about Jesus who came into this world as a wobbly-necked little baby. Jesus couldn't hold his head up. I just made that realization. <laughs> But maybe it's because he needed to model to us that we need safety. We need parents, mothers, fathers who will embrace us when we're weak. And how much more is the world trying to strip that away, breaking up the design of family? Fathers not present for their kids to teach them to be warriors and strong. Mothers not available. Addiction and, and suffering and not able to nurture and care. Or just like us, like me, my mom being so sick. She couldn't protect me. That is the world's doing. It's not by design. The last thing that we all need that's been a buzzword everywhere is to be secure. How much more does it mean to know that when you share something in your small group, no one's leaving the room? That you have secure attachments. This is what's been buzzing around on the internet, is secure attachment. It's this idea that if we didn't have secure attachments with our parents, it's very difficult for us to recreate that when we're adults. It's why you see so many people suffering from infidelity and because they, they, they don't even, they're not even wired and trained yet to have a secure attachment and to say, I'm only gonna be with one singular person, okay? And it's so bad, it has infiltrated the church. 
which is crazy. <laughs> but it is because we maybe didn't get that from the beginning. So when you know all of these different designs, when we feel seen, safe, soothed, and secure as God originally designed, then we can show up more confident in our identity. For many of us, the lack of these things because we're not actually admitting we need them is the very thing that's thwarting your identity in Christ. Because let me tell you something right now, when I started getting those things right, when I started inviting people to really see me for who I was and stop people pleasing and morphing and changing and being a chameleon, I felt more of how I was created by God and designed. When I got some soothing from women that came into my life that were older, because I missed out on the nurturing from my mom and I allowed women to soothe me, even as an adult, I became a better mom because then I was able to soothe because I had felt it. I'd received it. For some of you in the room, you will not be able to raise your kids in the way that you want because you have to go receive what you didn't get. When we do that, oh man, the confidence is crazy. Because let me tell you something, you can't tell me anything. I could go through the darkest moments. I, I, I could lose everything. I, I could have, I, I mean, things just totally end. You cannot touch my faith. I believe so strongly in God at this point because I know how he's uniquely designed me. Oh, you can't tell me a thing. I've drank the Kool-Aid. I'm not going back. I already did it that other way that one time. And, and don't we admire those people? We see them all the time on, the, on Instagram where they're just like fighting for their life, but they've got the joy of the Lord on them. And you're like, Lord, if that would happen to me, I, I don't think... Y'all gonna have to come and get me because I, I don't know if I can make it through that. But when it's in you and you know who you are, ooh, you mean to tell me that God had me meet Esther at the Braves Battery Stadium who prophesied a word over me, invited me to her church that was just up the street, happened to be just up the street, never saw it in my life, for me to meet Deacon Robert, to tell me to read Psalm 91, for me to find a mentor named Emily, none of which are connected at all. They don't, not, not, they don't even know each other at all. Emily told me to go to the spiritual encounter. I go to the spiritual encounter only to loop back to Psalm 91? My God shows me his face. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. And this is why COVID could come, civil unrest could come, racial division could come. Everybody in the world could tear down the church. But baby, you know what? I'm going to be on a Sunday morning right here in the house of the Lord, building the next generation of believers, saying all his promises in a yes and amen, standing up when I don't feel like it, when trauma haunts me, when anxiety still comes up. I can still stand true and say, God showed me his face. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. For those of you in the room, that's like, I need a few tips, though, sis. I need to get a little practical here because I'm that way as well. I'm like, we can motivationally speak all day long, but I need some one, two, threes, okay? Here's the first one. You need deep friends, deep community, not sandwich friends, okay? Sandwich friends are who you're having lunch with at work, and you're telling all your business, and you could get fired. You need to stop doing that. And the Facebook people, too, they don't know you, okay? They do not know you. 
And the truth is, it is more safe. It feels more safe to tell people who don't have to walk with you all your business. The brave thing to do, however, is to find some people that will hear the truth and then walk with you through it. Are you coming to church expecting that your life's gonna be changed and you're not plugged into a small group? Let me just remind you right now, life change happens in circles, not rows. You're only consuming right now. I don't know you. I, don't, I can't do life with you. I can't hold you accountable. We haven't had any conversations. You're just getting the blueprint right now. You're getting the playbook right now. You gotta go be with a team to play the game. I'm like all over the football colloquialisms. I don't know what's happening right now. I feel so good about myself. Okay. Find your people. Second thing is figure out your lies. If you can't name it, you can't tame it. If you can't name it, you can't heal it. What are your lies? What's the enemy whispering in your ear that's keeping you from fully walking in your identity in Christ? What is it? Is it that your marriage won't last? That everybody else is dropping like flies so yours won't either? It won't last? Is it that you don't know how to be a good mom? Is that mom guilt coming up? That's the enemy, uh-uh-uh-uh, we were designed for this. If we could physically bring a whole human being into the world, you don't think God gave us the intellect and the emotional capacity to take care of them? He gave us the physical, the rest is taken care of, okay? Is the enemy saying, well, you can't run that business like that. You can't talk about Jesus over your business. Uh, yeah, CEOs, you know, you just got to kind of separate it. I got a chance to meet Dabo and Clemson, and I'm just like, this scripture's all over the little football field. Now, they're not doing too well right now. Okay, the football team. I am so into football now. I need to like, maybe pick this up. I don't know. Is the enemy trying to tell you to separate your faith and your fortune? Uh-uh-uh. It's how we formed organizations, corporate CEOs. It's how, I mean, oh, I don't want to get too controversial. They're not going to invite me back. Okay. It's why even some of the regular, innocent stores that we shop at have now started to kind of become divisive. It's never happened before. The enemy's weaving his way into these spaces and making us choose. We've got to be separate as if we're not all God's sons and daughters. Since when did it become them versus us? Aren't we done with the whole the churches for saints and the mother little hoodlins need to stay out there? Isn't that who the Lord's called us to? I don't, this is a, that's a whole other message. I'm just saying, figure out your lies. Combat them with the truth. And the last thing is this, you have to tap into resources. I remember the first time I called my parents, I said, guys, I'm going to counseling. They was like, what? You got bipolar? I said, no, uh, what? They said, you know, only the crazy people to go to the counselors. I said, daddy, no. Y'all need to go to counseling. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's because of shame, though, that we don't go get the help we need. Raise your hand in here if you have contacts on. Contacts in your eyes? What about glasses? Yeah, it's because you couldn't see. It's because your vision was blurred. So you went and got help. 
so that you can function and drive and make out the face of the one you love. But what if God's face is blurry to you right now? Because of everything that's tried to come in. And what if you just need to go get help to declutter everything you've been through? Maybe the lies that the earth has planted on the inside of you needs to be decluttered and healed and, and reshaped again so that you can see God's face clearer, so that you can be reminded that he has never left you. He is not ashamed of you. He is proud of you. He is not the God at the end of the tunnel saying, get all cleaned up and I'll be down here waiting for you. He's the one that lights the way through the tunnel. Come on, I just... I just don't want to build a kingdom of God with people who are holy and know scripture, but they're mean. We have to rejoin them together again and know that our holiness matters just as much as our wholeness does. We gotta put them back together again so that we can think and act and talk like Jesus. And that's when I think revival comes. We just get real surrendered. We surrender it all. We don't let shame come in. We're just like, we're broken. We're imperfect. Here we go. I, I need the Lord. I need my source and I need resources and I just need, I need, to, I need to be made over again. So send it, Lord. Send the people, send the places, send the resources, send the tools, send the books, send it. So that I can look more like you. Here's the last thing I'll say to you today. Trust God at his word. You can't find the words, you can't find the truth, go back to his word. You feel like it's gonna crush you? Psalm 34, 18, God's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues and revives those that are crushed in spirit. This is the word that God's been speaking over me. Tony, if it's not good yet, if it still feels real bad, if it's just not good, then God's just not done. He's just not done with your story. Trust God at his word. He'll come through every time. Let me pray for you. God, we're just grateful whoo, for the church, that I mean, the place where we come and get filled to go out and do your work. And it's messy and it's broken and it's imperfect because it's full of us's. <laughs> but haven't you always done some of the greatest works through the most broken situations and people? And you haven't stopped. So use us, God. Use us. Show us. Speak to us. Walk with us. Dwell in us as you always have so we can build your church and we can tell the world that they could see your face too. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, thank y'all. <laughs>